Good to see you here. Take your Bibles and turn to the little book of Joel in the Old Testament. Goes Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah. Page 1140 in my Bible. That won't help you unless you have the same Bible. All right, I'm glad you're here this morning. Most people, I think, hey, and by the way, if I had my choice, I'd be in the rocket chair. That's because I can come home when I want to. Amen? Most people like coming home stories. I can remember back in, I think it was 1968, when my brother came home from Vietnam. He'd spent several uh, tours over there. I can remember taking him, going to the airport to pick him up and coming home, and my dad had a big cookout. We had uncles and aunts and uh, cousins all there, and they were cooking steaks and just had a great time. I can remember in 1973... When uh, the POWs, you remember that? When they came back from Vietnam, they landed at Shepherd Air Force Base out here in Wichita Falls. I remember seeing them come down those gangplanks. And, uh, and some of them knelt down and kissed the ground. I don't know about you, but that tugs on my heart. It, it causes, uh, sometimes my cup runneth over. You know, it uh, just wells up inside of you and you just can't help. But... Uh, Recognize those guys had been all those years in prison or war camps in Vietnam, and finally they were coming home. I remember <clears throat> during the Apollo missions, one of the best things about watching TV in those days was seeing those splashdowns when the when the space capsule would float down and land in the Atlantic or the Pacific Ocean, and those ships would be there to pick them up. There's just something about coming home that uh, tugs at your heart and makes you feel good. And uh, I believe tucked away in this minor prophet, a call from God for us to come home. Now, I say it's a minor prophet. You realize they are called minor prophets because they're just smaller uh, books of the Bible than some of the major prophets. They're called minor prophets, but the prophecy that they share, there's nothing minor about it at all. They're very important. Joel, as we look at Joel chapter 2 this morning, Joel had the untenable task of prophesying the judgment of God against the nation of Judah. Judah had turned their back on God. They had rebelled and were turned away from God and God was going to bring judgment upon the land and uh, he was about he he was about to uh, do exactly that the northern kingdom which was Israel Israel Judah and Israel were split after King David and Israel had already been destroyed they were had already faced the judgment of God and they were completely destroyed and now it was about to happen uh, to Judah. I think it's important that we study this passage this morning because I believe so many in our day has rebelled and 
turn their backs on God and sooner or later I believe that God is going to bring judgment down on us. We're living in a amoral society. Seems like everything that anybody wants to do nowadays is okay with most people. Uh, premarital sex, is, there's nothing to that. Extramarital sex, that just happens. Drugs, alcohol, abortion, abortion rights. People are marching every day about LGBTQ, RSTUVW, whatever it is. They, they, they're always marching uh, for their rights. Every day there's a new threat to humanity. Uh, there are wars going on and global warming and pandemics. and People are saying that pesticides are going to kill us. Can't eat meat anymore. They're talking about test tube made meat, beef and chicken that we're supposed to eat. You can't, you're not even supposed to drink milk anymore. It's got to be soy milk or almond milk or oat milk or whatever. This past Friday, just this past Friday, they said drinking water is going to kill you. I mean, what, what, what are you supposed to do? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I don't know when it's going to happen. And I don't know how he's going to do it. But if our country doesn't have a revival, if we don't turn back to God, I believe that God will judge America. But there's good news in that. I'm not, this is not a harbinger. I'm not Joel. I'm not prophesying doom and gloom like he was. I've got some good news for you this morning, and that is that God loves you. Amen? God loves you. God created you, and he created you because he wanted to have a relationship with you. And God gives to you <coughs> that exact same invitation that he did to the people of Judah through the prophet Joel so long ago. And that's where we are in, Joshua, in Joel chapter 2 and starting in verse 12. Remember now, he was prophesying that God's judgment was about to descend upon the country that there was going to be this plague of lotus that had already gone through the northern kingdom and it was about to reach the uh, uh, land of Judah. And he's saying that God's going to judge. You could already see the clouds forming on the horizon. You could see that the, the, the uh, locusts were on their way. And then he says this, Now, therefore says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, to rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord, your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and, and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. We know if he will turn and relent. Who knows if he will turn and relent and leave 
a blessing behind, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Now, that now therefore, right there in the beginning of verse 12, now therefore, if you have a NIV uh, uh, version of the Bible, it says even now. And that's the reason I entitled this message even now because I really believe that that is a better translation in, of those particular words. He's saying God's fixing to judge our nation. But even now, if you'll turn your heart to him and you will return home to God, he will spare you and he will, uh, he will bless you and he will make your life uh, so much more prosperous and loving. Joel was prophesying the impending judgment. It was already there on the horizon. And he says, even now, if you will turn, God will listen. The Bible says, listen, listen to this. The Bible says that it is not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Jesus said that he came not to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. Folks, listen to me. God doesn't want destruction. He doesn't want doom. He doesn't want difficulties. He doesn't want problems to rule in the life of any of his children. And he says when those things come, even then, if we would turn our hearts back to him, that he would uh, save his people over and over and over again. God calls us unto himself. He tells us to turn back. He tells us to come home to him, and he will be there for us. Listen, I want you to hear my words, and I'm praying that God will give me the ability to explain uh, this exactly the way I feel like it needs to be explained. It takes more than just words. It takes more than just walking down an aisle. It takes more than just being dipped into the baptistry pool. It takes more than that kind of stuff. And notice what it says. He says, now therefore, says the Lord, Turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. He wants more. He wants us to return to him, but he wants us to return to him with an inward intensity. Since becoming your pastor, I have uh, challenged you over and over again that we might somehow get outside the walls of this building and into the communities that surround us and that we might be a change agent, that we might have a, an impact on the community in which we live. God desires for Hebron Baptist Church to impact this area, this part of Grayson and Fannin County. He wants us to make a difference and he's calling us. He's saying to you, he's saying to me, when we come back to him, we must do so 
with some kind of internal intensity. Uh, not only have I asked you, uh, challenged you to reach outside this community, I'm also calling and asking you to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ that we might look not only out there, but we also need to look inside and see if we are who God wants us to be. See if we are where God wants us to be. For the last six and a half months, I've been preaching and challenging you to become everything that you can be. I've been challenging myself to become everything that I can be. I'm challenging us together as a church that we might become every single thing that we can be in Christ Jesus. Now, I'm going to ask you a question this morning. Well, let's put it this way. If, I'm not going to ask you the question, but if I were to ask you this question, are you right now everything God wants you to be? Are you right now where God wants you to be? For six and a half months, we've been talking about this. And the question is, are you, if I were to ask you, are you where you ought to be, where God wants you to be, where you know that you are everything that God wants you to be. If I were to ask you that question, I believe. I believe if you were honest, many of you, if not most of you, and I'm including myself in this, would have to say, we're not. We're not. Let me just ask you. Let me ask you this question this morning. You look inside your heart. Look inside your heart. Is there any area? Is there any place? Is there anything that I'm doing or not doing that God wants me to or not to? Is there? I mean, are we exactly where God wants us to be? I believe if we're honest with ourselves, we all have to answer that question. No, no, I'm not sure that I am. I'm not going to ask you the question. I'm certainly not going to ask you to raise your hand. But I am going to tell you something. You can be. You can be. You can be everything that God wants you to be. God never calls us to do anything that we're unable to do. He will give us the resources. He will give us the abilities. He will give us the conviction. Can I say you are as close to God right now as you want to be? You are as close to being in that right relationship with God right now as you want to be? The question is, do we, are we willing to determine? See, see, he wants there to be an intensity. He wants it even now, even right here this morning, 
You can say yes to God. You can say, yes, I'm going to turn back. Yes, I'm going. But listen to what he says. Listen to what he says. He says, turn back with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. I believe one of the things that plagues the uh, 21st century, is this the 21st century? Yeah, the 21st century. I believe one of the things that plagues the 21st century church is uh, tearlessness. We don't get broken. Sometimes joining the church is no different than joining a service club or a country club or something like that. It's just coming down, you shake the hand of the pastor, you write out, you fill out, and that's all there is to it. But folks, listen to me. When we turn back to God, when we get serious with God, there is a deep concern. There is, I'm telling you, there needs to be a brokenness over the things we do. Listen to me. Listen to me. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What does that mean? That means you have sinned. That means I have sinned. That means we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I don't know about you, but that ought to break your heart. Jesus died on Calvary's cross to give you the opportunity to live for Him and to serve Him and to be everything that you can be. And i got to tell you, and this is a time of confession, there are times when that's not who I am. You're looking at me like a calf. How's it go? Looking something at a gate or something? Deer and looking in the headlights or something? You can tell I, I, I didn't grow up a country boy. I'm sorry. I wish I had, but I, I, I just didn't. I grew up in the city, and, and I, I have to pay the price for that. But, uh, but listen to me. Listen to me. That ought to break our hearts. I mean, that ought, we, we, we ought to come before the Lord and cry out to him, God, forgive me. Forgive me for not being everything that I can be. But guess what? Guess what? Even now, we can make that decision. Now, let me share with you. It's talking about the mourning and the weeping. And, and uh, it says, uh, what was the third thing? The mourning and the weeping. Oh, the fasting. People fast. All kinds of things nowadays. Fasting today is not what it was back in those days. I, I heard somebody the other day that uh, was on the news that she was fasting from Diet Coke. Fasting from texting. Fasting from the, what do you call them, iPads and, and stuff. I'm, I'm going to stay away from that. Fasting from this, that's, they're talking about here something much more than that. 
But listen, listen, listen. We have those kinds of things. We have people come forward and say, I, I know that I've done wrong and, and, and I want to rededicate my life. And man, I encourage that. I love when people do that. But it takes more than just walking down an aisle and, uh, and shaking the pastor's hand and uh, saying, oh, I'm going to start going to Sunday school. I'm going to start tithing. I'm going to start doing all of those things. Listen, what it, look what it says in verse 13. It says, so rend your heart and not your garments. Return to God. Remember, the Bible teaches about how people, if I were, if I were to rip my shirt open right now, just pop all the buttons off of them. Some of you would run, I know. But, uh, but, but if I were to do that, You'd say, you'd say, oh man, he's serious. Right? I'm not going to do it. Don't be afraid. He says, don't do that. He says, I'm not asking you to rend your clothes. Remember, that's what they do. They would tear their clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes. And, and, and that would really mean that he said, I'm not looking for that outward expression. He said, I want you to rend your heart. I want you to be as intensive on the inside as sometimes people are on the outside. He said, I want you, I want you to get down to where you really live. I want you to, I want you to be honest and be sincere that you really, really, really desire to be everything that you can be in Christ Jesus. He calls for an inner intensity and I'm going to just skip from there and go on down to a divine integrity. Do you know what some people some people are afraid to have that kind of an emotional, heartfelt commitment. Some people are afraid to just really come before God and bear everything uh, because they don't know how uh, God will respond to them. They don't know how they don't know how the how the people in the church would respond to them. I I don't know if I could. Confess. I don't know if I could really bear my heart. I don't know how people, what, what they would think of me. I can remember, most of you know my, my, uh, my testimony. I got saved in jail. I'd been there for five months and finally went to trial and was found not guilty and I was getting ready to go home. I wasn't guilty of what I was charged with, but folks, listen to me. I was talking to somebody just the other day. I did a lot of things that could have put me there that I never got caught for. You understand what I'm saying? But I wasn't guilty of this offense. And I was found not guilty, and I got out on a Friday night, the last Friday in September of 1971. My mom came to pick me up from the jail. We lived out about 15 miles outside of Gainesville, Florida. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, 
she came to pick me up, and we were on the way home. And all the way home, you'd think that, man, I was excited. I was happy. I was filled with joy. I'd been in that stinking jail for five months, and now I was going home. But all the way home, there was a fear inside of me. Because I knew my dad was at home. And my whole life, a lot of times I didn't get in trouble when I could have because I was more afraid of what my dad would have done to me than, than what the police would have done to me. You understand what I'm saying? My dad, he ruled the roost and he did so with a hard hand. And all the way home, I was worried. I, I, how am I going to face my dad? My parents had about 30 acres outside of Gainesville, and our house was sitting way back off the road, and we had a little narrow, it wasn't a paved driveway. It was just, a, just kind of a, you know, a hard spot where you could drive back to the house. It was straight shot. I remember it was about 9.30 at night. It was dark. And we were coming down Newberry Road and we turned into the driveway. And as soon as the headlights shined down close to the house, I could see my dad had his pickup truck with the tailgate down and he was sitting on the tailgate. He's not even going to wait till I get into a house. Mother drive, drove up the driveway and I got out of the car not knowing what was going to happen. And my dad came over to me and put his arms around me and hugged me and said he was so glad that I was home. Folks, listen to me. Not only... Not only do I want to see or does God want to see an internal and inward intensity. He wants you to know that he has a divine integrity. Look what it says there. So rend your heart and your garments. Return to the Lord your God. For he is gracious. He's merciful. He's slow to anger of great kindness. And he relents from doing harm. Folks, listen to me. Don't be afraid to come home to God. Don't be afraid to turn to him. Because he's gracious. That means a superior uh, stooping down to, for the welfare of an inferior God stoops down from his throne in heaven to die on Calvary's cross. He's a gracious God. He's a merciful God. That means he'll forgive. He doesn't hold grudges. God wants you to love him and he wants to love you. He's slow to anger. Somebody asked a little kid, what does the wrath of God mean? And he said, oh, that's when God gets mad and stays mad. 
No, not so. God is slow to anger. He does get angry from time to time. But he's quick to forgive. He's quick to forgive. He relents from doing harm. He's kind and caring. Don't ever be afraid to come back to God. And so I ask you this morning without asking you the question, are you everything that you can be in Christ Jesus this morning? I believe, I know for me, I think for the maybe vast majority, we'd have to say, no, I'm not sure that I am. But the good news is you can be. Turn to him. Not by renting your clothes. Not by saying, I'm going to fast or I'm going to cry or I'm going to mourn. I'm, I'm, not, I'm going to be in Sunday school. I'm going Not by that, but by opening your heart. Rending your heart to the Lord. Let Him know that you are yielding to Him. He's gracious and He's kind. He's loving and He's merciful, forgiving. And He will leave a blessing for you. Hey, hey, nobody will benefit more from that than you will. Amen? Amen? Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for the day. We thank you for the wonderful blessings you give us. Lord, I thank you for all of these kids that are going to be coming to Bible school. And I thank you for all of the work that's gone into that. Lord, I pray that you use it. I pray, God, that there will be people that make decisions this week that will last an eternity. I pray this morning, Father, that if there's anyone here, I mean, just as we challenge one another today, if there's anyone here that needs to come and just open their heart, rend, not their garments, but their heart before you this morning. God, I pray that you give them the courage, give them, help them to know what needs to be done. And we just thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.